Hey guys, Alicia Simone of Rewind and Come Again here, and I want to welcome you to the very first episode of Ahudat. Ahudat is a freewheeling conversation between myself and other members of the Caribbean diaspora who are creating, celebrating, and otherwise shining a light on the many cool, interesting, and important things happening in our community. I'll be talking with all kinds of folks, from artists, politicians, scientists, to entrepreneurs, tech gurus, and social activists. Nothing fancy here, just simple conversations that explore the different facets and issues that make up this hyphen life. So, without further ado, let's see. Ahudat. I'm a freelance journalist and I'm currently in Guyana and working on an oral history project and recording memories of what life was like before independence in uh, 1966. Why are you in Guyana? Like, why did you choose um, Well, my dad's Guyanese, um, so I grew up hearing stories of you know, what life was like in Guyana, you know, going out picking a mango off a tree and eating daupri and potato bowl and all this and stuff. And, and I, you know, you grow up in London and people are like, oh, where are you from? And I say, like, oh, I'm, I'm Guyanese and English. But I don't actually know anything about Guyana, really. Like, I didn't have a big Guyanese connection growing up and stuff. Um, so I wanted to get to know the country better. And also I started recording some of my dad's memories and I thought it would be nice to hear other people's memories, you know, people who have different experiences to him from different parts of Guyana. Um, so I started off doing some recordings in London um, and then I thought, oh, maybe I can try and go to Guyana. So I just decided to come out here and have been chatting to old people, really. <laughs> so is this a personal project? Yeah, yeah. It's not um, funded by anyone. I'm just just out here kind of financing myself with a bit of freelance journalism and um, other bits and pieces of work. Um, and then the intention is that I'll put it up on a website, some edited clips or a podcast or something like that, um, so that people can listen and reminisce or learn what those days were like. Just everyday things, you know, like what people used to eat or um, what Georgetown was like or what, what it was like growing up in the country, mm-hmm. all these different things, yeah. Mm-hmm. What has the reception been when you approach people to share their memories? It's been really good, yeah. Most people are quite um, open to doing that. Um, and I found that, you know, you, you'd you think when you say to somebody, oh, so tell me about your childhood, they'd kind of like find it difficult to answer that. I'd find it difficult. But actually, I don't know, maybe Guyanese people, they're just happy to just chat and they just tell you their whole life story in one long two-hour oh chat gosh. or something. Um, so, yeah, but the reception has been really good. I mean, I think some people maybe... I'm not sure what the project is about. So there was this guy who blogged about the project. Um, and he was like, oh, somebody recording the days of a great white man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> which was which quite entertaining but offensive. So I wrote, I wrote like, a, a response to it. But then I thought, you know, you know, it's, that maybe that's how it came across. That's his perspective. Right. Um, I, I, so I responded saying, that's not my intention. I want to hear the good and the bad, mm-hmm. how things used to be, even though I'm from England. Um, 
Is that how some people, do you find that's how some people see that time period? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, because I think a lot of old, older people do think like that. You know, a lot of people I've spoken to have been like, oh, you know, in those days everything was in order, there was no none of this crime and things ah. like that, you know. So people do romanticise it a lot. Yeah. A lot of other people don't. You know, there was like one guy who, <laughs> he was telling me that when they had to sing the national anthem, instead of God save the Queen, he'd sing like, God kill the Queen oh secretly my. or something, <laughs> him and his friends. Um, so yeah, obviously there's many different angles and stories, and, and also I think maybe because it's me asking the questions, maybe they respond in a different way. You know, you have to think about who you the interviewer is. You as a woman, is. you as a as a British person, mm. even though like I'm half Guyanese, I sound English obviously and stuff. So maybe they try and respond to that in a way they don't want to be too critical of England because I'm from there. I don't know. You have to consider all of these other layers mm -hmm. like if I was a, a Creole speaker asking the same questions a Guyanese then they'd, they'd tell me different things right. they'd, they'd assume I'd know certain things right. but in this sense they speak in a certain way maybe they tell me certain they explain things more than maybe they would have to another Guyanese person because mm -hmm. they assume I don't know so I think it has pluses and minuses that yeah so then what did you purposely choose this time frame around independence to to launch this? Or? Yeah, that, that was the intention, but I've been a bit slow, really, so I haven't launched it yet. Um, I'll, I'll try and like edit it. Well, what does launching mean <coughs> to you, then? Launching means just having some clips on the website. Okay. Um, so I might try, if I have time before next week, um, I might try just and edit. Days, I know, but. right? <laughs> I might try and edit like a tiny trailer with just a couple of little clips. What's the website? Um, Guyana50.org um, and there's a Facebook page and stuff as well. But I kind of wanted to build up a, a community on the Facebook page as well where people would kind of share their memories, share their photos, things like that. But it's just kind of, it's proving and you know, quite timely, you know, yeah. quite, it takes time and stuff to do all of And this. then the, peop you're, the people who would have those memories and photos to share yeah. or might not necessarily be on Facebook. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I know, I know. There are there do seem to be quite a lot of older people on there, but um but yeah, exactly. Or they might not have access to the internet or right. whatever. They might not be able to scan the pictures and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that the kind of limitations of it. But um I just thought I I don't really have any expectations. I'm just going to see what happens and let it grow quite organically. I've been finding people through recommendations through approaching different organisations. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to get a range of people, you know, Guyana obviously is so diverse. So I want Indo-Guyanese, Afro-Guyanese, Amerindian, uh, Chinese, European, um, of different backgrounds, classes, things like that. Are you travelling around Guyana? This is the plan. I haven't really done that much yet. I've been to Linden and um, Lethem. And I w went to Burbies yesterday, and I've made a couple of connections. So I'm going to try and follow up and go back to some of these places. Okay. And do, do some you find Tuesday. the memories vastly different depending on where in the person is from? Um, I don't think I've done enough traveling around yet, but not really. I think the experience is more between country and city, it seems, at the moment. You know, it's like we had a very rural upbringing, and so, you know, we were always busy doing things on, you know, growing things in the garden and stuff like that. Whereas mm -hmm. the city people maybe have a different experience. Um, but <clears throat> everybody, I, I guess, you know, people are quite nostalgic and always romanticise the past. So mm -hmm. that's come up a lot. You know, it's like there Do was you no. Do them on it? Um, 
can't. No, I don't really actually. Um, I kind of just let people flow and talk. Maybe I should do that more. It's kind of a work in progress on how I'm doing the interviews mm -hmm. as well. Um, sometimes I'll just ask minimal questions or leave lots of silences and then just let people's memories mm -hmm. come out. Other times I try and be more direct, you know, and try and get things out of them. I'm not quite sure what the best way is. I feel like I'm kind of torn between being an oral historian and a journalist mm -hmm. in a way, and I haven't quite figured out what I'm doing. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, so you have people like saying, you know, all the races used to live together in harmony and we used to, you know, go to school together. There was no difference between any of us, which is lovely, you know, to hear. But then a lot of them will talk about, you know, the racial disturbances of like 62 and things like that. So it's not as if they're hiding it. I don't know how true it is that there were no... Yeah, <laughs> I hear that no even now sometimes. Mm. We don't have what you guys have in America. And I'm like, mm. yeah. Right, exactly. And this like race is one of the first things that people talk about when, when I sit down and switch really? on the recorder. Yeah, it's like a huge thing. Um, people will talk generally, you know, Indo Guyanese people are like this, African Guyanese people are like this, yeah, you know, yeah. they're very stereotypical. Even people who are like share both heritages yeah like, there's lots of people you think they're black and then it's like oh your mum's indian it's like oh, yeah. okay but yet you talk about indian i find that like in this. my own family too right and, <laughs> and then i'm sitting here like i really think that word's offensive i don't know that we should be using right that. but we're just talking about our cousins and exactly you know, and i know no, I no know. one's offended and I'm just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know i remember the first when i went away to college i um met a trinidadian indian girl and we're talking to them, yeah, because like, you know how curly people are? And she's like, what? <laughs> she's like, do not use that word. I was like, what? What's wrong? Right. I don't get it. <laughs> and I, even to this day, I, I have to remind myself. I mean, I'll use it in my family, but no, not outside. Not outside, right, yeah. exactly. And you hear that a lot, or like, buck or something. Yes, or, I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a bit, I don't know if it's like admirable that people are really upfront about it. Um, I think it then, speaks to how just ingrained race and your perception of race and how important it is, even though you act like it's not. But I don't know. Half of me is like, I don't see the problem. Yeah, this is it, right? And then the other half is like, no, this is a terrible thing. Exactly. But because you don't want to get all PC and be like, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, squashing people's expressions and stuff. Yeah. Um, because. If people aren't offended at being called Chinese boy or buck or whatever, right. then... That, and that's like their name in right. the street. Exactly, I know. <laughs> I had a cousin named Black Boy. I never right. knew his real name. <laughs> I'm like, I know he might his mother the name of that. And he had no problem with right. it. Right. So, is, but then you wonder, like, does it internally have some, mm. I don't know, changes someone's way they see themselves or other people? I don't know. You know, it's the same with, like, this Guyanese way of being very upfront about and you know being quite offensive to people you know like mm. teasing people and yes. things like that is that the same thing or is it actually affecting people inside I don't know really I feel like it does and it does affect people but that this is a culture that doesn't necessarily recognize the uh, not the sensitivity or the there's, to me, there's just so much, ah, uh, come on, man up, get over it, right. are you serious? Like, a lot of that, and so, but later, I feel like, but at the same time, they do know that it's hurtful and that you can be doing damage, but 
maybe life here has evolved in a way that you cannot um, entertain that because it's it's too tough a life. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like my father is eighty, and he's now like uh, regretting um, certain like he, the way he used to talk to my children. I'd be like, you can't. They're people. You can't talk to them like that. He's like mm-hmm. so offended. He's like, who? What? Huh? What do you mean? They're just kids. What? Do you, right. But now he's like. That's just the way I was raised. Exactly, this is it. It's very interesting. I know, I know, yeah. It's a little twisted. (laughs) What are you going to do? Yeah, I don't don't know if that's the case. Yeah. So all of that comes up in your conversation and you just let it flow. Yeah, I'm trying not to interject too much. I just kind of, um, yeah, just just let people talk and then ask odd questions if, like, the silence goes on for too long or I want them to clarify something. But, you know, I don't want my voice to be in there. I just want to kind of edit myself out and just let them speak and stuff. Um, and I'm aware that, you know, oral history is very imperfect. You know, people will remember things in funny ways or they their vision's clouded by some personal grievance or whatever. So it's, it's more, it's not like a historical thing necessarily. It's mm-hmm. more just like kind of social history, you know. Because I think voices of ordinary people can get lost a lot. You know, you hear from like former presidents and right. big you know big people of society but not just ordinary people and right. how they felt about and things. that's also where a lot of the information is yeah the, the exactly. everyday just you know joe schmo going about his business and how he perceives all these big events happening. exactly yeah yeah like i was talking to a young guy yesterday who was like 20 something and i was saying explaining the response i've had to the project and saying how they were you know there used to be this great racial harmony and he was like really <laughs> and I was like yeah like before all the racial disturbances and stuff like that um, so I don't know I hope that in some way maybe younger people will be able to use it as a resource um, and you know learn about what their parents and stuff uh, went through because there's this big kind of cultural gap I think like the things that their parents a lot of young people's parents went through mm-hmm it's hard for younger people now to understand mm-hmm. like going through indentureship or going right. through you know the remnants of slavery things like that seems uh, so removed seems so removed yeah and their parents are frustrated because it's like we went through all of this for you right and now the kids are not really appreciating that so I think there's, that's why you have this kind of generational struggle as well how if at all has um, your guidance heritage um, affected impacted or played role in your other work outside of this project um i don't think it it has so much i don't know really i mean not necessarily my specifically guyanese heritage but like my other heritage you know just being not english mm. being not 100 percent english because i i don't feel comfortable calling myself english i'll call myself really? british but not Wait, english what's the difference between english i know and i don't <laughs> english i find is everybody has their own way of interpreting it but i associate English and a lot of people do with like a white English person whose mm. heritage goes back years or something and um, whereas a British person is like that's your nationality you know you could be from somewhere else and get British uh, nationality so it's okay. more about your citizenship okay so because I feel if I said I was English someone would be like looking at me funny it's like yeah but you have brown skin and mm. curly hair or whatever um so I call myself British and but there's always a sense of being other you know so I think I've kind of gravitated towards um, maybe more socially excluded groups or minority groups throughout my career. Like I used to 
work um, as deputy editor of a magazine called The Pavement, which is like a magazine for homeless people. Um, we'd talk about, you know, issues that would affect them, um, you know, strange you know, government policies or, you know, how the police were treating them, things like that. And then I was working for Arise, which is like an African fashion and culture politics magazine. Um, so I think I've always kind of been drawn to publications or things which give people a voice who don't usually get heard maybe mm-hmm. um, and I think the Guyanese heritage thing has become in more since I've been here like I've, right. I've started this blog and I feel like suddenly all this stuff is coming out that mm-hmm. I've probably been holding in for years and stuff about I love the blog oh thanks I think I, just, <laughs> I randomly found it on Facebook Vidya right. had, had a post and I was like look <laughs> find her <laughs> Awesome. So that's usually that this blog. Uh, tell us the uh, humming of the birds. wordpress.com. Yeah. So this is just your personal yeah rant, ramblings or observations of exactly life. yeah. And I've always kind of like encouraged like up and coming journalists and things just blog, get into writing stuff. But I wasn't actually doing it myself. Mm-hmm. And I've realised since I started it, the freedom it gives you to just say whatever you want to say. You don't have to think about the voice of the publication you're writing for or trying to pitch it or whatever you just write write what you want whatever you want to say and I found real freedom in doing that mm-hmm. and that I can just explore the different things so I've been writing a lot about um, language and identity in Guyana because I'm kind of learning about you know this whole debate between the way that Creolese is presented as somehow substandard or in comparison to proper English quote right. unquote um, and all the kind of debate. It's a very complex issue, and I, I'm not really sure that I've got fully, you know, mm-hmm. full grasp of it yet because there are so many issues that come into play. But I've kind of been exploring that and about being about travel. So I wrote um, a post called uh, "The Only White Person in the Village," which was kind of about this way that you know, travel white travelers often will mm. boast about being I was the only, only white person for miles, and I'm like. <laughs> What does that mean exactly? Like, mm-hmm. if I was there, would you still be the only white person? Like, are you using white person to mean a foreigner? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just find it very exclusive and uh, it's in a way to elevate above. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a kind of they're putting this distance between them and the people who live there, and kind of excluding black travelers or travelers of other colors as I don't know, like. Part of the other. Yeah, as part of the other, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or when actually they have exactly the same experiences as that mm-hmm. white person. They have the same cultural clash, they have the same mm-hmm. differences like that. Well, I mean, obviously there are some differences, but um, yeah, it's just kind of a really odd term or odd phrase that I, I have issues with. So I was kind of um, exploring that. Um, and yeah, just different things really, you know, with different stuff that have been going on for the Jubilee celebrations in Guyana mm-hmm. and stuff like that. How long do you plan to stay? Um, well, at the moment I'm staying till the end of August. Oh, um, yeah. But I'm thinking of coming back after, so oh. I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> um, because yeah. you want to get more stories, write more, or are you just like, I'm going to just become full blown Guyanese <laughs> and settle down? <laughs> I don't know, maybe a bit of both, I'm not sure. I, do, I just feel like. Um, there's a lot that I want to explore here. I find that I'm, I feel quite comfortable with myself here. Like I feel you that's know. I find very interesting. Like you move about like 
you know, you were born and raised here almost, but I don't, I still feel a bit of a tourist mm. and not comfortable moving about by myself, but mm -hmm. you're like living here. Like, how has that been? Has it been weird or have you, are you, do you find yourself as seen as the tourist, the British person in? Right. Yeah. This is a, it's a funny thing really. It's like, I am seen as that. Um, it's like a friend of mine calls me English. It's like, hey, English and stuff like that. And or people will comment. It's like, oh, you know, because you're an English person or because you're a white person. And I have a debate with them about I'm not a white person and they <laughs> think I am. Um, so, yeah, it's a funny thing. It's like I try and I take like minibuses around or walk around. And some people think I'm a bit crazy for doing that. But I've always, I don't know, it's just normal for me because I've grown up in London, I've always take the bus around, I always walk around, so I've, I want to have that same experience here really, or to kind of, it's, it's a sense of... Otherwise you're the white person in the village. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want to exclude myself or make myself different to people. Mm -hmm. I, I want to meet people on an equal level and have like good conversations with them, good chats with them and not be superior in a sense. But I understand that you come with baggage that you can't control mm. so people may view you in a certain way or you know I've been told oh you're, you're probably you'll be fine because you're a foreigner things like that yeah. it's like so I have this privilege yeah. already that I find it a bit uncomfortable but I guess I'm benefiting from it so it's kind of a weird it's a weird situation do you are you there's always this big concern about safety when I come here mm. my family's always like oh my god <laughs> That's it. We're never gonna see you again. Like, do you, did you feel that when you first came from your family? And how do you feel since you're so part of the fabric of you know in the minibus walking the streets? Like, do you worry or? Mm, yeah, totally. I think you have to. You have to be aware of it. And more so than in England. Um, yeah, probably a bit more so. I mean, because I live I live in London. Um, and I've grown up there, so I guess I'm kind of used to it. And but it's always an issue. Like I'll, if I'm walking back late at, late at night, I'll be aware of what's happening around me. Right. Or I won't go down dark alleyways. And you know, it's always in my head anyway. So I think that's the same here. And I've learned that not to walk along ner in a nervous way. You know, mm. you just walk along confidently, even if you have no idea where you're going. <laughs> and um, and just you know, people are quite helpful if you're lost. You know, you can you can you can sort of um, ask them for help and stuff I, I don't know if my parents were that worried I guess they are worried but they're kind of I've, I've traveled a lot on my own so mm -hmm. I guess they're kind of used to it they're just like well she's gonna do what she's gonna do there's nothing right. we can do to stop her so um and like family here I have some cousins here and stuff and they're kind of say like oh yeah you know, you're so adventurous or this and that I think they think I'm crazy rather than <laughs> adventurous but anyway so I, d I don't know I mean touch wood nothing's happened to me so far mm -hmm. But I'm aware that it might do, but I'm kind of, by accepting that, I'm kind of like, well, what's going to happen is going to happen, right, you know. Right. Um, I can't control it. All I can do is, and I'm not going to live my life in fear, it's like, I'm, I know some people who are kind of like so worried about everything and they haven't been, in, hardly come into Georgetown because mm. it's like they're so worried about everything. And it's like, you, you're going to miss out on so many experiences and right. um, something might happen to you wherever you are. Right. So I figure in your home exactly behind, exactly you know, thinking you're safe right exactly so I mean I know the crime is a huge issue here and lots of people talk about it all the time mm -hmm. um, it's you know it's the number one topic of conversation a lot of the time but um, I think you have to just get on with life as well and put it into perspective and just 
try and try and be safe, but not take stupid risks. Although we probably do sometimes, but like interesting yes. like riding on the back of motorcycles right. with no helmet <laughs> that's a rumor i don't know yeah that's i know this is awesome is there any last words you'd like to share with our listeners regarding life in guyana as a journalist um i don't know really i mean i'm i feel like quite optimistic for for Guyana because I just feel like there are so many intelligent and creative people here and everybody wants the best for Guyana. It's like everybody's hopeful that things are going to change, things like that. And I don't know, this thing about changing is like I don't know what people want exactly. I think we have to think about what kind of society we want to have. It's like, do we want something that's exactly the same as New York or London or something? I, sometimes I get that trip. Right. You know, the more American we can become, the exactly, better. Exactly, exactly. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I know. And is that coming from us as mm. outsiders? We're like, but keep what you have. Is that because we, we know it's precious or because we want to ha- be able to have both lives, you know, sort of mm-hmm. thing? I don't know, really. Interesting. But, um, yeah, so... This, you know, there's this whole thing about what does it mean to be a developed country and stuff like that. You know, there's this whole debate about what's is the it definition exactly? Of that? Yeah, it's like is it your lifestyle? Is it what wealth you have? Is it you know? I never thought about that because yeah. Guyana technically is a developing nation. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So when have we developed? When are we fully developed? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And there's this whole thing about do we? I read this article which is kind of about redefining what being developed country means. It's like maybe other countries need to be less developed quote unquote because mm-hmm. you know the amount of pollution that they're putting out the right. kind of lifestyles people live whether you're working yourself into a grave and things like that right. is that necessarily the right model to be following right. I mean I know it's easy to say as somebody coming in and you know I'm not experiencing the poverty that a lot of Guyanese people are mm-hmm. um, and they'd just be like oh shut up you don't know what you're talking about because we have it tough right. um, but I think we need to kind of reevaluate. you know think clearly about where we want to go and not necessarily try and copy the states or right. other models which aren't necessarily that that'll successful. take a lot of introspection on I know I know but I know I know but I think this is the part of the whole debate about Caribbean identity and stuff which I think is going on in all different countries mm-hmm. and stuff and I have a friend who lives in Martinique a friend from school and stuff and she's she was talking to me the other day about this need for, you know, a lot of the laws are based on old British laws and stuff here. Right. And it's like, maybe we need a whole-scale reform of the right. Constitution and everything, work out what, right. what it means to be Guyanese, what it means to be Caribbean or something. You right. know, this to is not many England. Exactly, have exactly. Like, we have very specific needs right. and desires. And yeah, so, but I don't know how you start something oh like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's not my calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. I don't know, but... um. Do you have similar debates like that in, in the States? Uh, my circle of friends are very first generation. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of our conversation, it's a lot of, you know, I feel like it's from the outside and we don't know and our travel is so limited. Mm-hmm. We don't really live here. We come for a week or two, maybe a summer. Um, so we think we know and then God forbid one of our parents walks in in our conversation and then it's all forbid. You don't know what you're talking about, but... I, th- I do find like a lot of us um, want to come back mm. and contribute, um, but there's I get this sense of 
that you're not really Guyanese, Haitian, whatever, um, who do you think you are coming here mm. and trying to help or whatever, right, you yeah. know? Um, so there's this, like, this push-pull, but I definitely, I definitely feel there's this new wave of, I want to go back, I want to give back, I want to learn, I want to soak it up, you know, mm. I want to, you know, six months, six months, back and forth, yeah, you right, know? Yeah, right, I know. Um, that's definitely my dream. Like, yeah. I was just talking to my friend the other night, um, and she calls me while at Murray House, and she's saying, um, why are you there? She's like, yeah. I don't understand. You like, you go there. She was born and raised here, so she's like sixteen. Right. She's like, you go more than me. You're, you're so not Guyanese yet so Guyanese. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on, yeah. and I couldn't really answer. I was, I don't know. There's just, because when I get here, I feel super American, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, how can people? You know, and this, I totally own being, you know, the ugly American, where I'm like, how can people live like this? no hot water it's blazing hot it's like another black right and at the same time i love it yeah i love it and i don't want to do that i i think it's very patronizing to do that such a simpler life you know i know i I know this is what it is yeah i know i know so i don't it's it's a weird line i'm walking um and plus since i have kids i feel like whereas you know i was first generation so in my family, I'm known. You know, my brother and I are the Yankees, right? <laughs> right. And so now my kids, I feel bad that they're even another generation removed. You know, and they they identify, but not as much as me, yeah. And definitely not as much as my parents. So right. I want to carve out a space here for them, mm-hmm. and you know, bring them and have them absorb it. More. I don't. I don't know. It's such mm. a weird. I don't want to. I feel like it's going to dilute each generation. It's gonna I know. Dilute until it's. We're just full-blown American, and then to me, that's not a cool thing. I know. <laughs> this, well, this is a constant thing with, um, I think, migration and stuff, mm-hmm. and also to do with race as well. It's like, um, I have this, you know, I'm really interested, because I'm mixed race, I'm interested in kind of what that means for the next generation and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, um, my nephew is mixed race, and his dad is black, so he's kind of like looks... Black, black. British. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then he's also got this mixed heritage and stuff, and it's like, how do you... I don't know, you can't... It's, it's a difficult subject, but it's like, how do you continue those cultural ties that are important to you mm-hmm. in the next generation when, when, like you said, it's so far removed and yeah. stuff? It's like, if I had a child with, like, a, a white guy or something, mm-hmm. that child would maybe look white, but it's like... It's as if there's a kind of a loss of heritage yeah. as you go along or a loss of connection with the country you originally came from. Mm-hmm. So at what point do you cut it off and say, okay, now we're American, now we're mm-hmm. British? Or do you try and keep that going? Because I, like, I have a friend whose grandmother is from Barbados, and I had no idea. It just came up in some random mm. conversation. She's like, yeah, and the, but the way she said it, it was like so unconnected to her yeah yeah she's from Barbados and she told us one or two things and, I was, and in my head I'm like you don't even right know. exactly like, and my heart was breaking yeah. for her but she was not phased yeah I was just like and then I'm like so she's so she's fully American that's okay exactly that's yeah. fine yeah. is it I no, know. she's missing a whole other like there's a whole heritage and history why doesn't she want to go to Barbados and dig into this like I know. It is, it is. <laughs> but I think, you know, there's always going to be that thing of not feeling... I think increasingly we don't feel like we're citizens of the world, you know. It's right. this whole thing about, you know, where are you... Ask me where I am, I'm local to, not where are you from. Mm-hmm. Did you see that um, TED talk with um, 
what's her name? The author of Gone and Must Go. Um, no, um, oh, what's her name? I forgot her name. But um, it was kind of the, the the talk was don't ask me where I'm from, ask me where I'm local to. So it was all about um, this way that people are citizens of the world, and they kind of, you know partly from Ghana but I live mostly in New York mm-hmm. but I also have some connections to Europe or whatever right. so it's this kind of our lives are so oh well I'm on battery so okay, <laughs> okay. we'll carry on in the dark um <laughs> welcome to Ghana. Well, exactly blackout for all you can yeah. tell that's all right thank God for battery we'll carry on <laughs> um yeah so I think you know, in America, you don't feel 100% American, I guess, because mm. you've got this Guyanese past, and here you don't feel 100% Guyanese because you sound American, or you right. have different cultural experiences from that. So I think we just have to accept it and hope that people will just accept us the way we are and not be too, you know, bulldozing into a country. Like, I didn't want to come in mm-hmm. Guyana and be like, you should do this, you right. should do this, right. we have this, you should replicate this, because... I don't know what people want. I don't know what they want right. to do. That's the huge problem. No one's right. asking. Yeah. You're just like, I know best. I know. And this is a huge problem with like aid and stuff anyway. It's like mm-hmm. so many people think I'm like a volunteer or uh, something like that here. They're just, that's the assumption, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you've come from abroad. You must be like, volunteer, you know, vol- NGO, yeah, yeah, UN Peace Corps or something like that. Um, and so they're kind of surprised when... I say that I'm not. They're like, uh-huh. oh, okay. Why yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you Why here? Would you know? <laughs> right, exactly. But, you know, people shouldn't ask that question, why are you here? They should be proud enough of the country to be like, okay, you have a reason to come here. This is a beautiful country. Right. There are opportunities. Right. So, um, I don't think a lot of people here see that. I know, I know. That's the thing. I know. I've got a friend that is graduating UG in a little bit. I was like, oh, so what are you going to start your law practice here? And he's yeah. like, are you nuts? Right. I'm leaving. Yeah. I was like, why? Why would you say that? You got to give back. He's like, no, I need to live. So I'm going to be in London or this New York. It. I know. And I was like, I get it. Yeah, this I get is it. it. But so now how do, you, how do you change that? Mm. Because I read somewhere that there are more Guyanese living outside of Guyana than there are yeah. in the country. Yeah, exactly. That's insane. I know, I know. And yet, if there were more people here, there'd be more of a market. And I guess that's an issue because the population's fairly small. It's like, what, mm-hmm. 750,000? There's only so many people to buy your products to do, right. to be your clients or whatever. So I can understand that there's more of an audience in the States right. or wherever. But, um, but still, there's ways of, I don't know, you can export things from here or yeah. I don't know. I just think there are opportunities to be had. Yeah. And I also think a lot of the, the newer models of doing business and working across the globe are not really in play here yet mm-hmm. um, in a way that could really, you know, blow out the economy and opportunities for people. Exactly. It's still exactly. very old school. Yeah, I know, I know. I think there are more inroads. Like, I have a few friends who work for, like, um, making apps or creating mm-hmm. websites and things like that. So I think this new generation is yeah. being a bit more creative with that or they're... Um, I think it's a service where you can like order things online and then someone will bring it in from abroad. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I think different ways will will come up and there's lots of exports and stuff like that. So people just need to get creative with yeah with using that technology still. I definitely think this next generation, the previous generation, gives them mm, the opportunity. Right. I think that's a lot of the, oh, you youngins. <laughs> you know, and then people are gonna hang on to their power and their way of doing things for as long as possible. I know, I know, yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think it's probably like that with, with politics and stuff, you mm. know, they, they don't want to kind of get involved Wasn't in that. Wasn't there recently the Georgetown, Ma- I read something where mm. it was a really young... Uh, yeah, in uh, Linden, I think she's like 19, oh deputy mayor or something. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. and yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, I know. It's a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. surprised that happened. I know. I don't know. I don't know what the context is surrounding mm-hmm. that, but I think that's great, you know, to yeah. kind of have those youth voices in there um because it seems like i don't know the youth somehow frustrated like i was doing Mm. this article on suicide recently for bbc about suicide in guyana which i kind of feel a bit uncomfortable doing because i feel like i'm confirming all these negative stereotypes Mm -hmm. about guyana but then it is an important issue so i don't know i'm kind of torn about that but um apparently the rate is highest amongst young people Mm. um you know because of different you know, family discord, different, you know, this mm-hmm. intergenerational kind of battle and stuff where they don't feel that they can do what they want or express themselves mm-hmm. or tell anyone what they, how they're feeling because they're just going to get shut down, you know. Right. Um, and someone was saying that, you know, this, this girl they were speaking to told her mum that she wanted to kill herself and her mum was like, all right, go ahead, go and do it, oh you know. <laughs> so there's that kind of, yeah. that, that thing that they're not really being listened to maybe or right. they're, they're frustrated, so... I think that that's a big thing that we need to look at and involving young people like that mm-hmm. with that young mayor, deputy mayor or whatever she is, um, is, is a, yeah, it's a great move forward. You know. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a tradition of not seeing kids and youth as like real people with real feelings mm. and real valid opinions. Right. Um, about, yeah, the validity of them. Unt- and I don't know when that changes. Like, what is the magical age that now you're, you know, a full-fledged member of society. Exactly, yeah. And you're not just that kid who's supposed to be quiet in the corner. Yeah, exactly. Someone was telling me about this the other day. One of the people I was interviewing, it's like, they were told, oh, this is big people talk, you know, oh it's not, God. don't get involved. <laughs> and then it, at some point you're 25 and you're not involved. You're right, like, and it's like, yeah. Get it together, what, yeah. what are you doing? Exactly, exactly. Join the adults. Right? Yeah, yeah. Stop being a child. It's like, oh, when was I not meant to stop? I don't right. Know. It's an interesting uh, dynamic going on. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But I think that's definitely the way forward. And I think, I don't know, maybe we can learn things from like how things have been done in different countries in Africa and stuff. You know, there's this whole kind of reverse migration thing in Nigeria oh. and Ghana and places like that. People are going back. People are going back, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of people. And there's this huge pride now in in African heritage in, in the UK and stuff amongst mm. young, young people, you know, um, through music, through culture, through fashion, through, I don't know, literature, all different things. Mm-hmm. There's this, you know, when I was growing up, to be African was quite a negative thing, mm. which is really bad. You know, they used to be Caribbean people, so we used to kind of abuse yeah. African people for being yeah. African. Everyone's got to try to be on top. Right, of the I know, pole. yeah, yeah. Um, but now, it's kind of yeah, it's ch- it's totally changed around, and there's this huge pride in in African culture, and mm. um, and I hope that something similar will happen the Caribbean as well you know because this is a very stereotypical view of what the Caribbean oh, is yeah. abroad yeah um, no one white sand beaches yeah you know. exactly exactly it's either that or it's like you know the Jamaican crime or right you know, right homophobia or something and so I kind of I guess I kind of came with that here and so when I met like I saw there was these LGBT film festival on mm-hmm. and there's this gay community and stuff I was kind of like oh That's okay Lord. right and it's like but why? Of course, of course they would be. But right. you kind of assume that 
they're being beaten in the streets. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I know there there is prejudice and stuff, mm-hmm. but people are still, you know, relatively open yeah. and stuff. So I think that's that's great. And then those different stories need to be told. And I'd be, I'd you know, be really happy if I can kind of do a bit of that. I mean. Mm-hmm. I haven't really done that with this suicide article so far, but hopefully I can convince people to accept stories that are a bit more positive or just change the narrative a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing. No problem. Ooh, great <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good to talk to you. Now you know, ah, who that? You can find Karina's work about her time in Guyana on her award-winning blog, hummingofthebird.wordpress.com, and her Guyanese oral history project at guyana50.org. That's Guyana, the number five, the number zero, dot O-R-G. This show is a production of Christiani Creative and Rewind and Come Again, and is produced and edited by myself, Alicia Simone. It uses the song Easy Jam by Kevin McLeod of Incomtech.com. The song is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Special thanks to the Oasis Cafe in Georgetown, Guyana for letting us use their space to record. Much appreciated. Thanks for listening, guys, and be sure to tune in to the next episode to find out Ahurat. Uh,